Disruptors and curious minds, what's happening? It's Thursday. It's time for another episode of Thinking on Paper. We're super excited to be here. We are a podcast uh, about uh, from the perspective of two writers chasing their curiosity to understand the connection between emerging tech and the human condition. Uh, often we get into some really fun rabbit holes, and I think we're into another one today. So thanks for joining. By the way, we are on Spotify. Um, and YouTube as well. And our website is www.thinkingonpaper.xyz, as the folks over the pond say it. With me, as always, is Mr. Mark Fielding. Mark, good afternoon to you. How are you? I'm very well. Um, I, I look like I might have been down an actual rabbit hole because spring, <laughs> spring has sprung around here. And I've just been walking out in, in, the, in these alpine meadows and my eyes looking at the camera look like they might be uh, reacting to it. But no, I'm very excited about this, court, about this um, interview. Really looking forward to speaking to Simon. As you know, we are a podcast and we're doing a podcast about Web3 podcasting. I actually found um, Simon, he'll introduce himself in a minute, on last week on Anthony Day, who's um, a, a LinkedIn mega account and he did an interview with Simon he was talking about turning your podcast into an NFT kind of monetizing it distributing it and I thought that's what thinking on paper needs to do we should get this man on and speak to him about um, podcasts on the blockchain so here we are look at you again chasing your curiosity my friend I love it I love it well hey Mark I'm chasing my tail Fair enough. Sometimes it's both. Well, hey, um, are, is there anything before we bring bring our awesome guest on? Is there anything that you've been thinking about or writing about this week? Because I know you do a lot of writing and um, you know sending out um, kind of unpacking ideas through writing related to Web three. What's what's on your mind this week? <laughs> well, um, so my my biggest writing project of the week is actually hidden behind an NDA, so I can't say much about that. But hopefully. Um, in a few weeks, I'll be able to unveil more about that. I'm writing some law for a computer game, so it's very exciting for me. Other than that, I've got, I'm writing a piece about luxury watches. Now, I know you're a big fan of luxury watches. Let's see your watch. Uh, you don't have a luxury watch. I don't watch. have a watch on. I don't have a watch. I try to avoid time. The only thing that nobody can avoid. I'm, I'm doing a, a piece on um, Hublot, which is like a luxury watch company that's very interesting very quickly. It's a bit like Willy Wonka and the golden certificate, so you have to find the ticket. Ooh. Whereas Hublot, they've, they've got 12 watches, 12 NFTs, okay? But there's a 13th watch and a 13th NFT. And the only way that you can get hold of this 13th watch is by having the NFTs of the previous 12. Now, these are on an open market. The person, whoever that might be, has one year to to gather together all of these other 12 NFTs. Only then do they have the possibility to, to buy this extra exclusive 13th watch. I thought it was quite, reminded me of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, I thought it was quite that's, interesting. That's amazing. I think uh, there, I heard from some friends uh, up at NFT NYC. I didn't go this year, but uh, there was a pretty uh, pretty fun little scavenger hunt type thing. I can't remember what company did it, but they actually had 
uh, it was all driven, you know, through Web3 and, and you got to go to these different piece, places and pick different things up. And this hat ended up being like the hit of uh, hit of everything. So anyway, well, we could rabbit hole that, but let's pull let's pull back a little bit. Uh, I'm yes. excited for this uh, for our guests uh, to join us today. Simon Smith uh, has a very interesting background. He'll be able to go through it with you guys. But uh, suffice it to say that it starts with economics it floats a little bit through technology and development, then back to trading and investing in entrepreneurship. So without further ado, we are super excited to invite Simon to the show. Simon, how are you, sir? I'm very good, Jeremy. Thank you for inviting me on today. Amazing. So Simon, you're joining us from London in a uh, in a booth inside a WeWork, and we appreciate your uh, your attendance. Give us a little background on uh, a little bit more to the story that I shared related to uh, let's you started with an economics degree and then how you kind of moved into where you are right now. Give us a few beats in the story. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess my uh, career history has been the intersection of technology and finance. Yeah, I studied economics originally, ended up working in software development, building Oracle databases back in the nineties. Uh, that was during the dot-com, so we saw the uh, the rise and fall of many hopes and dreams back then, which is reminiscent of the NFT uh, world that we've recently been through, very similar to the old dot-com bubble. But yeah, I, I, I worked as a as in a full-time job as a software developer and always had a fascination with economics and trading. So I started trading on my own private account alongside the job, um, which was quite hard work for a good 18 months where I was um, really running some quite... Um, leverage positions that I was confident would do well <laughs> to uh, to leave the job and um, become a, a full-time trader then from my from my bedroom and uh, also started doing angel investing alongside that so I kind of did, made that decision to work from home effectively uh, back in the days when working from home wasn't really a thing but kind of knew I wanted to do more than just be that kind of sitting in front of the screen trader so Having always had a, an interest in early stage tech, I thought I could use my skills here from technology and become an angel investor. Um, went on the board of several companies and helped them out to, to build their businesses and had a couple of good exits over the years from the angel investing. And then more recently, uh, went down the crypto rabbit hole. Having been investing in Bitcoin since 2013, I really started to take the time to learn a lot more about it in the last three years and and in the last two years i've created my own crypto startup called excalibur um really mostly because i just figured out there was a use case you know for a long time it appeared like you know it was really just an investment and and there was limited supply and as people came in the price would go up but um it is a thing with crypto the more you learn about it the more you understand it's very much a one-way journey once you once you understand crypto you can see the real value the real strength that it has um, bitcoin in terms of a, a really strong monetary instrument probably the best form of money that we've ever had and then web3 uh, with the smart contract um blockchains like ethereum and solana where you've got an amazing what's really an application development platform but a decentralized application development platform where you can build assets that people can own in the digital space um, which for me is is very fascinating because i feel like the digital world as it has evolved has been a very much a centralized thing you know we, we are all of us um rows in in a large company's database and they own the data on us we don't own the data on ourselves so 
for me, Web3 is, is is many different aspects to it in terms of the way we distribute media, the way we monetize media content, but also the way we actually gain ownership of our own data, I think is very important. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Quick, uh, quick shout out in the chat thread. Uh, hola, Gabriel. A uh, long-time listener oh, wow. jumping in, saying hello. Uh, look forward to your comments and questions today as well as welcome to everybody else listening. Um, Simon, I want to start, uh, and I don't want to go too far in the weeds on the tech side, but it's really interesting to me. You come from a tech, specifically database background, right? Database is the the evil D word when we talk about like blockchain, right? And it's like Ford or Chevy or like you know database or or blockchain, right? So let's talk about um, the 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 clear advantages or you know why you couldn't have uh, built something just using a database versus doing it on blockchain, just in general terms. Yeah, I mean for me. Um the technology enables a new way of people interacting. So that there was never really a question of, shall we build this on a database? It was really, my idea was to utilize the decentralized nature of the, uh, the blockchain, basically. So the fact that people can own assets on the blockchain and they can um, own that digital content. You can't really do that on the database. You know, I mean, the database is a centrally owned piece of software where the person that controls the database controls the data. So for NFTs, uh, for Web3, for decentralized digital assets, the ownership, for the ownership to be in the hands of the individual, you need to have a blockchain uh, implementation. You, you can't do that with the database at all. So there, there was no question of the choice there. If you're building something mm -hmm. Web3, it's the only way to go. And it's more expensive, it's more difficult. Finding developers that can build on the blockchain, it, you know, that was hard. That was a headache. I mean, as it is, I've found some really talented developers that, that built a great product, and I think we worked really well together. So it was worth the, the time and effort of touring the hackathons and, and, and talking to people and, and finding people that, that knew something about uh, blockchain and were really enthused about working in this space. Well, I'm going to come in with a disclaimer for my, my question following on from that. Um, I... A couple of years ago, I very quickly ended up in the Solana community because when I first started looking at all this, NFT, Ethereum NFTs were out of my price bracket. So I, I naturally kind of gravitated towards Solana. So I, I've been aware and in the, the community for quite a long time. But Solana also divides a lot of people on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on the internet in general. Some love it, some don't love it, some are indifferent. Why did you... Why did you choose Solana? Why is Excalibur on Solana? And I guess is the future um, like is a cross chain anyway? Yeah, I think that I suppose the choice of Solana partly uh, comes down to my journey into crypto. And um, you know, I, I did start investing in Bitcoin back in 2013, but I guess. To, if I'm really honest about it, I didn't fully understand the, the real use case of Bitcoin back then. You know, it, it is fundamentally a payment system and a new form of money that people can own in a, on a self-sovereign basis. Um, but yeah, the, the thing that really started um, to, to kind of work for me was back in 2019 when I was at a meetup group where someone did a presentation about micropayments. And they, they were actually looking at the BLT token back then. Um, and it was the idea that you could make a payment to somebody else without paying the transaction fees that exist with Visa or MasterCard. So with Visa or MasterCard, the minimum transaction fee there is, is normally at least 20 cents, potentially more than that, depending on 
uh, how well the merchant is known. But those payment systems were not built for the internet. They were built for plastic card processing systems. So the thing that was really lacking for the internet since the beginning was a good uh, payment system, a native payment system. And that to me is what crypto really is. So once I started to understand that, I thought, okay, we've got an opportunity here to actually have a different way of interacting within the internet if we can enable this micropayment technology. So the way the internet has evolved, most content is funded by advertising. Um, and it's kind of led to probably not the greatest quality um, that we could be experiencing. I think there's a lot of content out there and, and not all of it is the best quality. And there's also this very unfortunate kind of world that we're in with the, the click through advertising link, which really is built around um, accumulating customer data and selling that data to advertisers. So it doesn't work well for the creators because they're quite often forced to give things away for free. Uh, it means that the advertisers will tend to gravitate towards the platforms that have the most footfall, have the most users on, because that's where they get the greatest granularity of data that they can use to target their audience. And that's where they get the best return on investment. So that model has led to a real centralization of media into a few streaming platforms that really now, in many ways, control the internet. So I think myself and probably other people in, in the world today have a, a bit of anxiety about the way that we are attractive where we go and the way these large kind of monopoly, oligopoly platforms really kind of quite a lot of control over our lives and they do own our data. So to me, this embryonic idea of having micropayments and enabling uh, your audience to, to crowdfund your content, to me, that was the, the, the beginning of something that could be an alternative to that, um, you know, the, the free media that you're paying for with your data of course, if you're, you're not paying for something, that you are the product, you know, we all, we all kind of know these things, but trying to figure out a way to solve that, you know, is a monumental task. But for me, when I first started to get the idea back in 2019, that's what started me on this journey. And so then to answer your question, uh, when Solana came along, I mean, the BLT token that we were talking about there in that meetup, that was a very centralized solution. It was low transaction fees, but it was never really an effective blockchain. It was more just a database, really. But Solana is a blockchain um, and it does have very low transaction fees. I know when I first started looking at it, the price was up there north of $200. And I think the transaction fee was 0.04% or 0.04 cents. That's it. Yeah. So very low transaction fees. Cost of minting NFTs on Solana is very low also. And during the last bull run, when a lot of uh, Ethereum uh, applications suffered from uh, very high transaction fees, high minting fees. Solana was still chugging away and doing things at a very low cost. So scalability is fundamentally the uh, the real opportunity with Solana. The ability to have small payments where the creators, uh, the money's going mostly to the creator. A very small amount of it goes to the network, uh, to the miners, but most of the money is going through to the creator and the, the audience that are effectively donating to the creator through their, their payment they're actually able to transmit most of that money directly without a bank to the creator using the Solana network. Okay. And I saw today that you're not taking, it's 100% except for the piece for the miners going to the creator. So the platform's not taking a cut as it stands. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, partly that's a good world thing. You know, we, we want to kind of give something away for free as people are joining us in the early, the early days, the early adopters. Also, it's just more simple for us, you know, when revenues are relatively low, we don't have to deal with the process of uh, 
accounting for that revenue. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just simplicity for us for the moment. But yeah, the plan is to charge five percent of, of all transactions. I think that'll be sufficient to to keep the platform going, to enable there to be funds to expand, and and yeah, just make it a worthwhile project. Awesome. Okay. Boy, there definitely. I, I think there's definitely going to be two threads to this conversation. I think one is the the Web three angle and the the how that you know activates the community in a really interesting way to where you're not just consumers of the content, you're participating in the experience together, right? But then the other thread is podcasting, right? And you know, recorded uh, audio files that are uh, that are conversations, words, stories, all of that good stuff. And so, what brought you to podcasting? Like, what what what, what was the aha yeah. moment when you're like, hey, let's? I've got a Web three idea. Uh, let's hit podcasting. I've I've been listening to podcasts for years. I mean, I, I love them. I, the the fact that I can list to content when I'm going to the gym or walking to the office or out cycling, I just, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm learning while I'm doing something else. And there's so many different streams of information there. You know, you, you can search out and find whatever uh, bit of content is, is relevant to your specialist interest. You know, you can find someone that's talking about that. They might only have an audience of 10,000 people, but if that's something that you're interested in, then it's in, invaluable to you that they're speaking directly to you effectively. You know, it's, it's a real democratization of the spoken word. And it's kind of, in many ways, it's it's a next incarnation of the internet. When the internet first got going in the 90s, um, people were able to create a website and that, that was the written word which you could publish to anyone on a democratic basis versus previously the, the newspapers had um, you know, control over that. And in, in order to get published, you had to get into the newspapers or the magazines. Uh, but now you have the same thing with a spoken word, where this is a kind of decentralized radio. And there's many channels, not just a, a few channels. So things don't have to be uh, mainstream and just cater for the masses. You can um, talk about whatever you want to talk about. And if there's an audience out there that are interested, then they can listen. So for, for me, it's it's a great new media that enables everyone to speak. And I think uh, the, the world can probably everyone in the world could find a podcast they're actually interested in. Yeah, I, I've brought some podcast um, stats and facts to the show if you, if you want to hear them. And one okay. of the things, it was actually, I mean, I didn't spend a lot of time looking for this, but quite difficult to find accurate, up-to-date stats about listening figures, podcast numbers, like who's doing what, where, you know, where the, where the, the, the flux is. I mean, I've got, um, in 2023, there were 464 million podcast listeners listening to over 5 million podcasts, 70 million episodes between those 5 million podcasts. They predict, or I, I guess that Joe Rogan accounts for much of this, but in the US it's worth 2 billion. Um, Swedish people consume the most podcasts. They say that 47% of Swedish people claim to have listened to at least one podcast in the previous year. Now, this is where it gets interesting for me. Um, we spoke. You spoke about the democratization of the of the spoken word. I'm not sure that the the market follows the same democratization. Um, Apple Podcasts has a 37% share of the market. Spotify 26. Mm. The top the top podcasts seem to be the same across the world. The UK has some slight anomalies where like the fourth best or the fourth most listened to podcast in the UK is about politics, whereas in America it's um, crime, true crime, and and, a, and call her daddy, which is really popular across the states, um, and there are hundreds of NFT podcasts. So I guess that all said, 
how are you approaching it from Excalibur's perspective? Like what's the what's the initial goal and what's the, the more long-term vision for the platform? How do you see it fitting into this Venn diagram of... Yeah, NFTs? I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that there's hundreds of NFT podcasts there because, well, I mean, pretty much all of those are going out on, on Web2 podcasting yeah. platforms. I mean, we're flipping that on its head and we're making podcast NFTs. Yeah. So hundreds, I, I lost count. onto Excalibur. <laughs> well, that's it. A creators upload on Excalibur can mint their podcast into an NFT and their audience can mint a copy of that NFT. And by doing that, they're funding the creator. So at a very basic level, if you're looking you know, to describe this use case, then you would call it a pay-as-you-go Patreon because the page on which you listen to the podcast, you're able to either make a donation or to mint the NFT. The money is going directly to the creator. And the NFT that you mint there would give you access to the chat room. Uh, so it's a gated chat room. Which we call the Dow Chat. Uh, so there, you can speak to the other people that were interested in that podcast, and uh, that's effectively where the community is built. And it's worth noting that this is different from a lot of NFT communities, where the thing that people have had in common is that they've owned a very similar picture, sometimes of a, a bored ape or whatever picture that might be. Um, here, the thing that you have in common is that content that you're interested in listening to. So I personally believe you could probably build a much stronger community around a specialist area of interest podcast versus, um, like we say, the digital picture that, that we've initially tested the technology with and had what we probably would describe as a pretty crazy speculative bubble around those JPEGs. But um, the other aspect there, which I think is quite Web3, is that the creator is able to um, set up revenue splits when they mint the... Uh, smart contract, which is the NFT, which is their audio file, they're able to specify different wallet addresses that the revenue can split through. So to me, this is one of the most powerful use cases there are because um, before Web3, before crypto, if you wanted to have a creative project where you cooperated with other people, you could either do that with a, a kind of spoken agreement, back of the envelope, you know, one per person collects the money, they share it with everybody else. The other thing you could do is a joint stock company, uh, which costs money to create uh, with legal contracts and an accounts department invoicing, chasing people for money. I think most people don't really want to do that. I mean, if it's a big, you know, planned uh, creative project, like a feature film, then you might do it that way. But there's a lot of expense there. So that's that's the way you, you guarantee payment in the, uh, the pre-Web3 world. But now we have these very... Easy to create, easy to create on Excalibur, not easy to create if you're a Solana developer. You know, that's where we've uh, bridged the gap for you there. You can go on, you can upload your audio file, you can specify the wallet addresses of the people that have cooperated with you in creation of that podcast, and you can specify the percentage of you would like them to have. So then any subsequent payments that are made through donation or minting a copy of the NFT, they will automatically get split between those wallet addresses. Of course, the blockchain is an immutable record that everyone can see. So it's it's an entirely open, um, permanent record of the share that people will get of the revenue that's coming in for that podcast. And then the final part is if you're a listener and you like that podcast and you want to share it with your friends, as often many of us do when we enjoy a podcast and we know someone that we think might like it, you can create an affiliate link. And that affiliate link will create a new smart contract where you are a percentage of the revenue as well. So when you share that new link, they're getting access to the same bit of media, but if they buy the NFT or make a donation, then you get a share of it. 
So this might appeal very much to influencers that have a large following. If they find really good content, they can pass that on. So there's many different aspects to this technology. I mean, one of the things that we talk about with the NFT world is uh, POAPs, proof of attendance and participation. If you find a creator that's creating content, um, particularly once the early stage of their career and they've been undiscovered, by buying the NFT, you're funding their journey, you're enabling them to produce more content, but you're also getting an asset yourself, which you don't get on Patreon, you don't get an NFT on there, which you know is a, a collectible. It's something that proves that you were there at the beginning and that you supported that artist. So that creator may at some point in the future say, okay, you know, you've whoever bought one of those early days NFTs will forever get backstage pass at any event I'm ever presenting at, or if they're a singer, you know, backstage pass at the concert, you know, it's a way of rewarding those real fans for supporting them in the early days. So it is a much more participatory process. I think you were saying at the beginning there, Jeremy, about Web3 being uh, a technology that enables an audience to really interact uh, with the creator. Um, and I think there's a number of different streams in which that could happen, particularly with the, the gated chat there where they could potentially give feedback and maybe talk about what they want to see in the next episode. Or there's even possibility of creating a, a collaborative audio book where the first chapter is created and put out there. And then as people buy the NFT, they actually collaborate and, and donate content that, that can be included in the, the second chapter. And if it's successful and the people that are participating promote it themselves, then each chapter can gain more more snowball as it, as it, as it rolls along. And by the time you get to chapter number 13, you could have quite a, quite a following if, if it really kind of works out the way that we would hope. That's awesome. We've we've spoken to a few people who are doing the written word equivalent to that, and to have the, the audio option is, um, is 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 great. I'm sure Jeremy's got a lot of questions. I, I just my observation. I just love, and it seems to be a common theme through our conversations through the guests we speak to, the kind of augmenting the relationship between creators and their fans, readers, and kind of that grassroots, bottom up empowerment that just seems to be ubiquitous across all these new platforms i love it yeah i think you know what would be really interesting so we had uh we had um uh, quest of evolution quest of evolution andrew was it andrew knocker yeah. Yeah. yeah so i think that would be an interesting partnership for you guys to like consider taking some of those stories and and exporting them onto your platform that could be really interesting um yeah. one important one important thing i want to share is a lot of uh, a lot of the analogies that get used by by a lot of different people. And before I say this, I'm going to preface like I'm a big believer in this technology and what it can do to change and and, and spark interaction between audience and creator, right? But like if the analogy you know comes out there and it's like oh it's just like you know I've got a record behind me, right? I'm a I'm a vinyl junkie. I've got my Jimmy Smith record sitting by my record player back there, and when I put on my record, I spent I hold it, I put my hands on it. I look at the liner notes. I listen to it. I hear the crackle all there's a whole process to that thing as a, as a point of collection. And while collecting um, digital audio could be in a sense, equally compelling. I think the important thing to think about is things like the affiliate link. I think that's, that's amazing. Right. And I've been in podcasting for like the last 10 years as a producer, a creator, audio engineer, musician, whatever. And there's a there's a there's a bunch of content out there. Like Kevin Kelly says, uh, you know, he's the Wired Magazine maverick, right? He says more content was created in the last 24 hours than the three of us could 
consume in the rest of our lives, right? So there's a point of like having this ability to identify and elevate and also become known as someone who can spot things and identify and elevate, right? So you're yeah. creating a mechanism for me. If I do that for you in your podcast or you and your platform, there's value to me doing that. And now that value can be shared uh, in the splits and everything's automated. I think that's a very compelling piece of this whole puzzle rather than merely just collecting a piece of audio. Definitely. Yeah. I think yeah. the affiliate link is, is something that I think, you know, we're, we're a little bit cautious with it because I think, you know, the, the, the NFT world has you know, had that affiliate process with the influencers and it hasn't always been, you know, the, the best kind of model, but um, you know, here it's, if someone is um, promoting something as an affiliate, you know, they don't want to degrade their channel. They don't want to share something that they don't think is good quality. So we think there's a real opportunity for curation through um, looking at, you know, we've got information now on the blockchain over time as to which content um, had most people pay for the NFT or most people make donations and also um, which content made most people want to generate affiliate link and share that content. So this has the power to create a really good Web3 algorithm. So when you are going to the discover section of our, of our application, we want to be able to show you the stuff that's had the most traction in terms of people paying for it, which is very different to Web2 because the, uh, the promotion there often is based around likes, um, which people, you know, you don't pay for a like, so it doesn't have so much value. But a lot of what drives it is actually the content that generates the most advertising revenue for the platform. You know, that's their business model. You know, they, they are funded by advertising. So they're measuring, you know, how long you stay on a, a particular piece of content for, and they can also track what you do afterwards. So if you go off of that content and go and buy something that was advertised within that content, then that's going to be a big plus, big plus for the, the Web2 algorithm there. But what we hope to achieve with Excalibur is an algorithm that, will have a, a, a crowdsourced curation effectively by people that have listened to the content for free, being able to fully consider whether they really like it or not, whether they really appreciate what the artist created, whether they want to fund future creations by that artist, whether they want to share that with other people, whether they feel comfortable about actually getting paid to share that with other people, and whether you know they're really doing a service for somebody by delivering it to them. And that's the uh, you know the the, the feature that, that really distills quality in terms of delivering a feed to the final customer, because there will be people that are effectively talent scouts and they're out there looking for the best new content, you know, and we hope, you know, this, this is a form of, you know, gamification really, but people that are able to find really good creators early on and, and share them and be a part of that journey and, and effectively be a very worthwhile promoter for that artist, they should be rewarded, you know, and we hope that that will happen on the platform. There will be other people that don't have the time to search out new content and maybe that's just not what they like doing. Maybe they just want to pay to access that feed of really good information. And that's where I think when we've got a really good stream of information coming through, that's where we can potentially have a full circle creator economy where what people are paying to access the curated feed, the money will actually go back to those people that have done the work in terms of finding the good artists at the beginning. I'd like to, yeah, that's, that's, Quality. yeah, absolutely. I'd love yeah. to, I'd love to run a scenario by you, right? Because the way podcasting has, has always worked is either, you know, someone has a great idea for a podcast, whether it's story driven or talking head or whatever it is. And then it's like, okay, I want to get this out there, 
Uh, I need to pitch it to somebody. I need to get it recorded. I'm not an audio engineer. I am, but I'm, I'm not an audio engineer. Uh, I don't have access to the gear. I don't know how to post it. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to sound design. I'm not a musician. So what if, could this be a scenario with Excalibur? If I came up with a story idea and Mark was a brilliant audio engineer and Simon, you're a beautiful composer and sound designer, could we together go to Excalibur and say, hey, guys, we're going to do this thing together. I want to give Simon X percentage. I want to give uh, Mark X percentage. And we start putting episodes up together and we all share in the revenue in that way. Yeah, that's exactly what it's designed for. When we upload the files, we specify the revenue split and that that, that works. You know, So it's, the money is automatically played to our individual wallets. There's effectively one smart contract that receives the money when people mint the NFT or they make the donation and the split is automatic. It can't, it can't be changed. There's no way any of us can, can break that agreement because the content that we've registered on the blockchain is what they're paying for. And within that contract is the, the specification of the revenue split. I need your Solana wallet, Jeremy, so I can split the revenue. Um, interesting, uh, not connected, maybe but pricing. How do you think about Pricing, one of the things that I think that small content creators, myself included, have, it's always, how do you price your content? How, and does this, obviously that makes it easy, but how, how do you think about that? How, how should we price our content? Our web, what, how, what's the value of a podcast? Yeah, I mean, this is where we, we, yeah. we've left it open. We've left that open to the creators. Um, you can choose, you know, 0.1 Solana, 10 Solana, 100 Solana, whatever you think you can sell your content for. Um, it probably depends upon how wide your audience are, how dedicated your audience are. There is the facility to have a, a limited issuance of NFTs, so you can choose to limit the number that, that are issued. So it could even be a one-on-one. You know, maybe just the first person to buy it gets that individual item. It could be ten thousand of them. Um, you know, so it's it's completely open. Um, it's entirely up to the creators to decide what price they want to set on it, and um, yeah, ultimately the the audience will decide if they're going to buy it or not. So I think over time we're probably going to get um, visibility of which models work best, which kind of content can generate revenue by either setting the price very low and having a wide issuance or setting the price a bit higher, having a smaller issuance. Maybe what um, potential benefits those creators want to ascribe in terms of access to events or, uh, I don't know, maybe whatever they want to offer. We, we, we're open to the creators to come up with creative methods of using that facility. Yeah, the market will dictate, right? We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. learn kind of what, what podcasts are worth and it, it'd be an interesting experiment in, in understanding that. So I, wa- I, wanna, um, I wanna talk about a little bit about um, audience and creators, right? And some of your, cause I know you're, re- you're relatively new, right? As with everything in web three and it, we're all mindful that like a lot of stuff that we're all doing in building in web three, you have to, it's an experiment and you iterate and you learn and you get these feedback loops and you get better and all of that. Tell me about like the, the, the coolest success that you've heard from a creator perspective and an audience perspective on your platform to date. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're uh, we are very very early in, in Web three. I mean, I think we're, we're so early that even the Bitcoin p- people believe that we actually don't exist and they think Web three is, is not real, but it is. <laughs> we're doing it, you know. It's kind of uh, it feels like an underground movement, you know. So we've got um, yeah multiple creators on the platform. Uh, we had uh, an NFT uh, rapper 
who actually did a, a live performance that we recorded there and then, and we needed the NFT. Shurukan uh, sounds. I I heard that one. Yes, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so that that was a, a live mint where it was actually available to, to the people in the room at the time. Um, so that was one experiment that we were doing, and that got some traction. We had some NFTs bought off the back of that one. Uh, we've got uh, Minos, who are a crypto accountancy firm. There's multiple content there. I think in terms of the big success, I think yeah, we're still experimenting and uh, trying to see what what's really going to work, what's really going to um, succeed. I think if, if Joe Rogan decided to come along and mint some of his uh, podcasts as NFTs on our platform, then we'd be very interested to discuss uh, some kind of um, profit share agreement with him in terms of how the platform could work going forward. Yeah, that's an interesting with. question. because He's that, done okay in the podcast world, I guess, yeah. He's done okay, yeah, but that, done that kind of, he, he would gobble up everything which with Web3 is trying to achieve. I mean, it's very difficult to balance this, isn't it? About get you on the big names, but then that will just take away all of the smaller podcasts and all the, the early creators. No one's going to listen to that when they can listen to Joe Rogan on, on this yeah. platform. So it's, it's yeah. like, how do you balance that? Yeah. It's, I think, yeah, I mean, the, the, the real potential, I think, for Excalibur and for early stage podcasters is to rise together. We, we can work together with people that are looking for ways of um, distributing their content in a new and interesting way. I think, you know, anyone that's doing a Web3 podcast, I think they should look at Excalibur, understand what it does and see how it potentially could work for them. But then anybody, you know, in the wider crypto space, you know, the Bitcoin podcasters, they could actually look at it and say, maybe there is a use case for something other than Bitcoin. You know, maybe crypto can be used for something other than decentralized money. You know, there, there are different use cases for this technology. So I think, you know, it, it is going to build from the, the ground out there. You know, the people that understand Web3 will be the first people to jump on board. And by being podcasters on this platform, that they'll rise with the platform. And the platform will rise with them. You know, we're, we're all a network here. You know, we're all going to be cross-promoting for each other. We're all going to rise together. And, you know, if it works, we will all benefit from the work that we're doing to make this thing a success. Well, part two and part part of what we're trying to do uh, with Mark and I are, are – helping demystify some of these things related to Web3 because there are a lot of people that listen to us that are deep into Web3, but are also some people that listen to us to try and understand the why of Web3 and how to jump into it and, you know, how to how to get over the intimidation factor of it. So let's, let's talk specifically, Mark, I want to ask you this question because you purchased an NFT on this platform. Um, talk about, you know, the, the flow from someone who's never, I know you've done it before, but like someone who's never done it before, Talk about that process. About buying the NFT. Sorry, I was just mm -hmm. distracted by my computer's about to crash. Um, for me, so I, I had a, specifically on Excalibur, I had a look around, see what was on there. I expected most of it to be NFT and WebD related for, for the reasons that Simon's already identified, and that's normal. There was other content on it. There, so there was the, the um, Shuriken sounds, the music. There was some... AI storytelling, some children's books, some other audio books. Um, I bought the Anthony Day podcast NFT. It was, I found it, I clicked buy, I connected my wallet and it, it was very, very simple. It was, it was, I, it was incredibly simple. So you do have to have a wallet first. There's no kind of web two and a half approach to this is you have to definitely make sure you have a wallet, right? Simon? You do need a wallet. Um, if you're coming to it as a non-Web3 person, then you can download a Glow wallet and connect that to the site. That's a very quick process. 
Glow actually enable you to use a credit card to buy some Solana, uh, which will go directly into your wallet. Uh, so it actually could be a relatively painless process. You will need to KYC whenever you're using fiat money to buy crypto. You do need to you do you do need to go through the process of identifying yourself. That's what I mean by KYC. You know your client, uh, but you don't have to bother to go and set up an account with an exchange. You can just go through that process. I mean, one of, one of the interesting things I think perhaps with this platform is if you're listening to this podcast and you're not into crypto at the moment. I think it's probably fair to say that everyone knows somebody that's in crypto. So if you want to just try it out for the first time, why not um, send them uh, $5 or, or £5 um, through the, the normal banking system and they could send you some crypto into your wallet that you just download and connect and you can have a play with the platform. You know, I think that's probably a great way to get started without having to bother with a lot of the complication. It's a good good way to connect with your crypto friends and they'll probably love the fact that you're trying out a real use case of crypto. Um, awesome. Just, get- Jeremy, you're going to respond to that question in the chat. So I'll let you ask the question and then I'm going to answer it. Oh, nice. Okay, great. So Jamie, thanks for the question. Uh, checking in with us on YouTube live. Uh, so minting the process is step one, but step two is the value to the buyer and showcase it its use and use it afterwards. How do you, the question is from Jamie, how do you think uh, is best for people to gain value social cred by owning these NFT podcasts. Okay, I think that's something that me and you, so if Jamie buys our NFT, which will be very, very cheap, we'll show him what the upside is from from, from it. I think that maybe the social cred doesn't come from these smaller creative endeavors like ours. The value for them will be direct interaction with Jeremy and me. So they could just come onto our chat channels and speak, ask us direct questions, for example. That would be the value add for that. It's that contact with the creator. It's that access that you don't get elsewhere. I think the social value would come when, when you're connected to bigger accounts, if that's what you're after. Yeah, I don't, do you have anything to add to that, Simon and Jeremy? Um, I, I would say, yeah, if you really want to gain value and social cred, the, the best thing you can do is listen to multiple different podcasts, figure out which one you think is the next rising star and buy their NFT. And you'll be able to uh, boast to all your friends how you were there at the beginning and you knew that they were going to be a big star. You know, what could be cool too is, is you know, as you guys grow and expand and as more people start becoming these like tastemakers for the platform, right? Like say Mark is, has picked like 10 winners in a row and it's like, wow, he's onto something. Like we, maybe we, maybe we go to Mark and we say, Hey, you know, let's develop a podcast together. Are you thinking Simon, like eventually you would, um, you know, help support or help, uh, identify and drive like original content development together as a partner with the platform? Yeah, I mean, I, I like creating content. You know, I mean, it, for me, it's part of the journey of, of creating Excalibur is to actually create our own podcasts. You know, again, I'm very lucky with my team. They like creating content as well. We have a good uh, bounce around and banter with each other, chatting about crypto and artificial intelligence and various things that are going on in the world. It's like, you know, we've got our own radio program, but it's it's Web3, you know, it's it's really is like i feel like i'm an underground pirate radio station um that's found a new payment system that, that could change the world you know it, it's a great place to be i like that i like that a lot simon um so we we tend to try and be mindful of time we're getting close to to wrapping up i do want to say that we are actually this mark this episode we are going to be uh minting right and giving this whole yes, excalibur thing a try right as soon as you give me the audio file 
I will. I will do it, I, and I'll, I'll report back on how easy or difficult it is. Just need the audio file. MP4, MP3. Sorry. What files MP3. can I upload? Yeah, MP3. MP3. Yeah. Amazing. Well, uh, Simon, I know we can. I know we can riff on all this stuff forever. I think philo- philosophically, we're we're very aligned in the power of this technology. I think you guys are uh, approaching this use case of podcasting in a very interesting way. Podcasting industry itself. I think is prime for reinvention in a lot of different ways. Uh, I think brands are trying to figure out their spot in this whole thing. And I know we didn't get a lot of time to talk about how brands could potentially fold into this thing, but um, I do. uh, Yeah. Do do you have any kind of uh, closing thoughts that you want to just share with everybody? I know Mark might want to hit some, hit some, we're going to bring the hot buttons back. So uh, any closing thoughts, Simon? Um, yeah, I just I just feel like this is the way the industry is going. I think you know we, we we've seen podcasts be free for a long time. People are starting to do subscriptions. Um, we're seeing the whole um, uh, what they called um, the super um, super something on YouTube where you can make payments to the uh, to the the creator. Um, but you know the, this this one obviously got the value for value on the LinkedIn uh, Lightning as well. But I think. What we're really doing here is giving you something back. We're giving you that asset, that NFT, and it, it's using Web3 for what we think it's supposed to be. So if you if you like what we're doing, then uh, please tune in and, and listen to other podcasts. Have a look at Excalibur.fm and see what we've got going on there. You know, it really is, we want support from the audience. If you jump on now, you know, we would love to hear from you. If you have skills in community building, then please contact us. You know, we, we want to work with the audience. We want to work with people that understand Web3. And let's build this thing together. I think we've got a great opportunity ahead of us. And it's been great to speak to you both today. You really do understand what we're doing. And, and thank you for appreciating what we're doing. Thank you. Awesome. Um, On to you, Mark. Yeah. Fire so I, I, I just Googled that question you asked earlier about how much content is created each day. And YouTube alone is, well, 720,000 hours per day is uploaded to YouTube. So it's like if you started watching YouTube at the time of the dinosaurs, you wouldn't have got through half of the content on YouTube, which is pretty, pretty special. Um, yeah. The, the question buttons. is, though, how, how do you find the stuff that's good out of all of that? Because I'm pretty sure the AI algorithm isn't going to have a clue, but maybe the combined intelligence of all the people listening, they, they can actually tell them. Affiliates yeah, well, and tastemakers, right? Yep. There you well, go. Or, or learn how to say no and what your real interests are. Um, so, Simon, at the end of the show, at the beginning, we used to do like this hot buttons, one word answers to questions, yes or no, or a one word answer to um, not very controversial subjects. So, for okay. example, there we go. Uh, Solana or Ethereum? Solana. Code is law, yes or no? Yes. Uh, Top down or bottom up? Bottom up. Utility or community? Community. It always gets them. And um, Joe Rogan, Huberman, the Knowledge Project, like talking heads or crime junkie? Talking heads. Okay. What is your favorite podcast or what are you listening to at the moment? That's my last I go question. through so many podcasts. I mean, the Bitcoin standard, I actually really love it. I mean, Sofredin Amos understands Bitcoin probably better than anyone. He is a maximalist, so he probably won't like what we're doing here. He 
probably should take the time no. to have a look at it because I think he, he he would understand if he took the time and he would probably appreciate if he took the time. But there is that kind of element of the Bitcoin maximized world that, that really kind of are yet to discover Web3. But yeah, I, I love his podcast. I love the, the what he's talking about and the way he really understands that technology. He's been he's been a lot of good books and he's, he's been at it for years. So good for him. How about you, Jeremy? What are you listening to at the moment? Uh, there's one called Thinking on Paper that I enjoy quite a lot. Um, um no actually quest love supreme is one of my favorites uh quest love talks about music with the best people around and it's it blows my mind every time but uh well i I think we're at a great spot uh simon thanks again for joining in from london uh great to meet you great to talk with you and i wish you great success with with excalibur and mark always a pleasure um you joining from the french alps we are thinking on paper we uh you can Check out previous episodes on our website, www.thinkingonpaper.xyz, both video and audio. And I believe this episode will be on Excalibur very, very soon. 